essentially, you can do one stop or two stops in a race. And it's all about tire management, and you have to play it exactly right. So the thing that happened on Sunday is that Mercedes was pushing Red Bull so hard that it made Red Bull think that there's no way Mercedes is not two-stopping. So they did a two-stop. And then Mercedes didn't two-stop. They one-stopped, and they ran out of tires at the end. And now, not only does, does Red Bull finish one and three, but there's a little bit of drama in the camp, and it is it is pure strategy. That is our guy, Kevin Clark, international correspondent, our first installment of Going Abroad with Ryan Russillo podcast, where we're going to do a lot of international stuff today. Life advice, no games last night, little lottery, and a new game called Take Stock, where we'll explain. And we're not even quite sure what we're doing yet, but please enjoy. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. We got a different podcast going for you today um, because of a couple of different things and no games last night. So we'll do a little lottery recap probably on Thursday. Uh, Jeremy Scott Fitness is going to join us coming up Thursday for Life Advice. But for this podcast, we're going to do, as we said at the very top, <laughs> Life Advice at the end. We went a little deeper uh, for you. And Kevin Clark and Sarudi are going to jump on for our first Rosillo podcast going abroad. But I also have a new idea. We got real creative over the last couple of days here. Um, and we all know my routine, which is all part of the joke that I appreciate you guys being a part of, uh, is that if I get sick of something or after the execution, I'm like, ah, it's not that great. Then I just bail on it. There's no announcement. We just sort of let it go. So we don't know where this one's going to go. But Sarudi and I were texting back and forth because the stock market, everybody loves talking about that right now. Um, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to do a ton on, on the stock market here. But then also... Um, the takes, the takes that fly around. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I want to come up with a new thing called the take stock segment, right? And we're going to listen or observe, I, I would say, mine the airwaves for takes and then assign them a stock price and try to figure out if like the stock price that I just give out arbitrarily, because, you know, there'll be some little backstory to it, whether or not that's like a good buy now because we think that's a take that people are going to start saying more and more, or if it's just like, now nah, you're going to want to get off of that one right now. All right. So before we bring Saruti in on this, the whole reason that we were doing this is because we were thinking like, all right, Saruti and I debated a little bit about Doc Rivers as a head coach just last week. And I was like, look, I still think he's a good coach. I understand that resume. 
with the losses in the series, the 3-1 leads that he's blown, there's nothing I can say to you. It's hard for me to win this argument because it's such a devastating run of facts that you have for me, but I still think he's a good coach. And then we have Philly losing this weekend in seven games and at home to Atlanta, all right? With the blown leads, the entire part of that storyline. So if we were to put a dollar value on the Doc Rivers can't coach take last week, let's just do this. Let's call every stock one to $100, no cap. I know that's what, what some of you want. I don't know that we can do that where we could just say, all right, because then it starts becoming, hey, that stock's too low and all this different stuff. Maybe there should be no cap. Maybe there should be no $100 max you could have on a price of one of these takes. But if you were to put some sort of price on the value of buying the Doc Rivers can't coach take last week, say it was 20 bucks a share, Saruti would have cleaned up, all right? Because if I issued it 20 bucks a share, 30 bucks a share, and we used it on some sort of scale, because that's why I think it works a little bit, at least conversationally, not in economic philosophy, where you'd go, all right, well, if it's a scale of one to 100 and you're offering shares of Doc Rivers can't coach at 20 bucks a share, I will empty out the checking account for this one. So that's where I think this all kind of started. So I want to propose different takes, throw prices and debate whether or not those prices are any good. And then we'll revisit it when that take becomes relevant again. Or if a new take is found out there. Yeah, I think what we should do is if, you know, some guy, you know, first take guy comes on, says something crazy, we immediately assign it a value too. like we need to keep this. This is like a growing, evolving thing. And we have a big list exactly. of all the takes and what they're worth. So if, you know, I don't know, Kendrick Perkins goes on first take and says that, you know, Frank Bogle's trash and should be fired, even though there was a bunch of injuries this year. We, we give that a dollar value. We assign that it gets gets on our board and can be publicly traded by the Rosilla listeners. Yeah, right. And I would assign immediately a low value to that because I just don't know that there'd be a ton of value in the Frank Frank Vogel thing can't coach. But sneaky, some people would disagree and be like, you know what? If you're putting five, ten bucks a share on Frank Vogel can't can't coach takes, I think there's still enough upside in that stock at that price because Vogel's probably going to get fired at some point anyway because yep. it's the Lakers. Um, not that he can't coach, but if you're fired, but then we would start to hear that take more and more. All right. So here's a really good example. Off of the Doc Rivers thing, I'm going to offer out Ben Simmons in the right system takes at 10 bucks a share. I'm buying that. It's too low, isn't it? I'm buying that. Yeah, I am. Because I've, I've been a guy who says, can he be a baby Giannis in a, in, a, in a similar type system where it's just four out and he's the guy with the ball and you know he doesn't really have to shoot a ton? Uh, I, I think 10 bucks too low. Yeah. Yeah, and this is all part of we're workshopping this out loud. We're involving you, listener. Maybe we just start up a whole new email address here and just start calling them. But you know what? Let's not even throw anything out there until it's official, until our tech people have put yep. together some sort of email. But I also don't want to turn this. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it'd become a public forum or not. $10 a share for Ben Simmons is in the right system takes. You're right, Suri. It's, a, it's far too low because there's great, upside because there will be a bunch of guys that are going to argue that once everybody's the body's still warm right now for the Ben Simmons murder this past weekend. That was about as bad as I've ever seen it for an NBA player. Like in the in the the heat of those 24 hours, every stat that came up was like the worst stat ever. Everybody's trashing him. This dude needs to be traded. Like there wasn't even in our industry for not a couple guys that were somewhat prominent to be going, well, you know, here's where you have it all wrong. But let the body cool. Let's get a month removed from it. We're into free agency. You know, whatever happens towards the draft, end of July, start of stuff in August. 
I believe there'll be a few people going, hey, you get Ben in the right system, this 5-1 hybrid, all this stuff. You're right. $10 is too low. Okay. Here's a football one for you. I'm going to issue these at $20 a share. Pat's 2-0. Maybe it wasn't all Brady after all takes. 20 bucks a share. So this would be, maybe it wasn't Brady. So this would be an anti-Belichick thing? No, 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 no. Maybe no, it wasn't Brady. Yeah, it's pro-Belichick. Pro so for the Belichick, Brady system QB guys, um, you know, two weeks into the NFL season, Pats are back. 20 bucks a share. I'm buying this. Yeah. It's too I'm low buying again. it. Yeah. Because I think, I think you probably could have got it lower right after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, too. Uh, this is probably trading, what, 12 Good bucks call. a share, maybe. It's probably propped up a little bit after the free agency, but you know, we know how, you know, Belichick and the Pats have been in free agency. This could blow up in my face and you could lose all your money here. But honestly, I think I would buy that at 20 bucks a share. That's a good, that's a good bargain. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's probably too low. We're just figuring this all out now because it's going to happen. That one's going to happen. That one's actually at 20 too low in comparison to the upside than the Simmons one at $10. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm thinking this out, um, I'd offer up Texas's back shares, but I don't, I don't know. That's almost like can baseball be save shares? It's like tractor supply. It's always going to be there, although I think it's like doubled in the last two years. But tractor supply, steady, steady, feel good about the company. It's always going to be there, but I don't know that you have that crazy upside. Yeah, who's buying it? I, I, I just, it is what it, you're not making any sort of uh, any, it's, is there a long term gain there? Probably not. There's no short term game there. It just is what it is. It probably hovers around 50 bucks a share, and that's where it's going to be forever. Right. It's like, is boxing dead? Is boxing dead takes? They bought back all of their shares. Yeah. They were like, we just know forever. We're steady, blue chip. You know, your grandparents have it in the retirement. Pete Rose um, Hall of Fame, same thing. All those are in the same category. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be more specific than Pete Rose Hall of Fame. That's just the subject. The take would have to be Pete Rose. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably should be in the Hall with, of so Fame. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Steroid I don't think guys, I, same thing. Right. I don't even know if any of those takes can be publicly traded anymore because nope. they're just like you it's it's not even fair. Because this is one that's kind of along that line is football dead takes. That was at 100 bucks. Whatever the maximum dollar amount could be assigned to this make believe exercise is football dead take share price. Whoever shorted that, that was like the mortgage crisis because football's not dead. It was a heavy topic there for about 2 years, set out of the mid to to later teens year-wise, and then I think they're going to make triple their TV deal. The cap's going to go way up. Everybody's making a ton of money. Nobody's turning it off. We've had some weird blippy uh, ratings things with all kinds of sports that maybe didn't really tell us anything, uh, and I'm not even sure that that's the right conclusion, but is football dead shares, if you shorted them when they were at their max dollar amount, then you've made a lot of money because I don't even think anybody's buying those anymore. No, so this would be like, this would be there was probably value when the CTE Kaepernick stuff was going on, right? If you there bought you it go. then, then you're good to go. You know, nobody made more money on is football dead shorting that than Danny Cannell, I would say. <laughs> that guy, he, he probably made, he's probably retired somewhere doing that. No, it's a great call. There'd be a lot of people that are just had to go take on a second job and they're greeting people at Walgreens right now that were just, their whole portfolio was is football dead. And they were like, I'm buying it all up. Concussion, tell the truth. That movie comes out and yep. then you realize like, the one thing that concussion story from that doctor didn't tell was the truth. 
because everything about that guy makes zero sense whatsoever. Yeah. But to even suggest any of that stuff at the time, it's like, oh, you've got a MAGA hat on. Be like, wait, so because I don't, I don't believe the concussion movie or the story and how absurd that guy's deal is. Like even guys that are pro T, pro CT were like, I don't really know what's going on. So I, I don't know what that's listed at right now, but if you shorted it back, then you're good. Here's a penny stock for you. LeBron and Anthony Davis followed Westbrook's wife on Instagram. We saw Skip Bayless tweet about that yesterday. Tremendous upside if it means anything. I just don't know that that take actually means anything, and it sounds like a D-block segment filler. Yeah, uh, I'm staying away. I, I've never been a penny stocks guy. Are you a penny stocks guy? I don't know. No, I don't know. That's, so, so I'm staying away Pink city right there. Yeah. Right. Uh, they had me on the jump once for the E block, I believe, drove up, was on the air for four minutes, and we went over a tweet. I was like, okay, good to see you. Had fun here today. Uh, <laughs> I try to think if there's any, any others that I have here. I think the fun thing would be is to have people offer up takes, and then the, the pricing of this is tough because I just went too low. Simmons, the upside's too high there if we're only going 10% of the, the scale. I just don't know if we can put a cap on it because economically, that's not what this is about. But for the sake of conversation, I think there should be some sort of cap on it. Um, you got more? I got a couple if you want. I was thinking of flirting with this one. This is a small company, so it's not internationally uh, traded. It's, it's small. There's not as many people that are interested in this niche thing. Asian market only, maybe. Yeah, but that Asian market, get up early enough, man. <laughs> Canel told us he used to stay up like overnight trading oil futures on the Japanese market. Don't ever let anybody tell you that Canel was not heavily invested in trading at some point. It was doing it for real. Sometimes like, during the show. Some guys were doing it during the show there for a, for a little bit of a stretch, which probably wasn't, wasn't great as a talk show host to be day trading during your show. But, you know, what are you going to do? All right. Uh, they say Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. That's the take. Share price. I regret now my Simmons and Belichick ones. So after the Bears send out that tweet, QB1, what is that stock price at? Before, before the draft, it was probably high. It was probably, I mean, he probably was going to be the starter. Was it 15, 20 bucks a share? I mean, now it's... Probably, probably higher, you know? Yeah. Now... Is it, I don't, is it a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's higher than that. That should be 10. It wasn't Brady after all. It should be like 60. Ben Simmons in the right system should be like $50. And then again, what does the share increase? Like, why does, why does the price go up? Is it the prevalence of how often that take is being said? I think is kind of the strategy here. Yeah, like, for example, like if I had the Doc Rivers take at 20 bucks a share after, after this series, that's easily doubled probably more retire triple yeah yeah i'm good triple once josh smith goes on ig and just blast doc rivers i mean i gotta tell you that josh smith was not you know sometimes it's the messenger and not the message but he clearly he clearly didn't like him and then at the very end who was the other player he included in that video where he just trashed doc and you were like oh geez i, I don't understand what's josh smith's beef with doc was it clippers the one year he was there i don't even know just came out of nowhere yeah. yeah, just no adjustment guy. He was, Big adjustment he, was, guy. he was ready to crush him. Um, you know what would have been a good one, and we'll finish on this, would have been shares of Devin Booker's a top 10 player at maybe 30 bucks a share. And you could 
you could likely, I don't think you could triple your money on that one, but you, you already would have made some money off of this. But you, you could go big time with this. Like you could absolutely max it all out if the Suns were to win a finals and Booker keeps playing well. I'm buying that right now. I don't even care what the price is. If they win the title, he's he's going to be he's going to be you're easily making. Okay, but what's the downside? Out. Is there any downside? You still I don't have think to so. worry. Especially after game one. I mean, what's he? I mean, unless they flame out and he has like a you know four for twenty performance or something. And I, but I don't even know. Like he's been so good, and and I think people like him. So even if he does kind of have a stinker or two, I don't think his. I think his stock is actually pretty stable and safe. Yeah, but it might be one of those deals. It's almost like beyond meat stock where you have to just put it at such a high price in the beginning because you're like, where, you know, what's going to happen? Where's the downside to this? Because Booker probably hasn't been around long enough. You know what I'm saying? This, that's kind of the deal. Let me check out beyond meat. We're at $145 a share right now. Um, yeah, but it, it started off on fire. That's what was when it first came out. It was like, almost to 200 within a couple months because they felt like, hey, you've got to kind of price in what this could actually be. And with Booker, if you're factoring that price, there's no built-up animosity against Booker Corp, right? He doesn't have the Paul George stuff on his resume. He doesn't have some of the hard and flame. Like, he doesn't have some of those moments as a longtime playoff guy where you're already kind of pre-resentful or you already have the drafts ready to go if Booker has some terrible game. Booker is still new enough at this level of consciousness for the country from a basketball standpoint that you don't, you don't even have that negativity. And I think you have to price all that stuff in. But you're right. Like, a lot of upside there with Booker. Okay, well, we're going to figure this out and probably have some sort of open and then maybe I'll get sick of it in six months. But I think this will be kind of fun to then try to check in on some of these or then attach prices to it. But I still don't really know. Maybe we bring on an economist. Mm-hmm. I don't know how get Ravel, we f- get Ravel on. There you go. Ravel will know this. Ravel, Ravel's once it's sports, I love all the Ravel content, his stock market and sports <laughs> content crossover stuff I can do without. Um, and that'll get to him. I don't care. Okay, let's talk uh let's talk international racing soccer and then the lottery with Kevin Clark after this. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like you should gain season throw in a little Something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? 
so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Continued economic responsibility demands restraint in government expenditure. And last year we achieved the largest ever recorded reduction in the budget deficit, 1.5 billion. This is great. This is big, historic for the podcast, the first installment of the Ryan Rosillo podcast going abroad. And this is where we do most of our international coverage. And who better to, to kick this new idea off? Uh, I would love to get some sort of cool international sponsor, something European. But Kevin Clark from The Ringer, a uh, great football writer, but a man of, of many interests. And the guy that got me into F1 racing. Uh, unbelievable race this past weekend. The French Grand Prix. Paul yeah. Ricard. You know, Verstappen. Hamilton, which is becoming kind of bird magic of the 80s. Uh, give me your sense of this. And, you know, as always, I will draft behind you. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal because, you know, Christian Horner, the principal at Red Bull, said after the race, if we can win here, we can win anywhere. And it's important. So let's just take a big step back. So in 2014, Mercedes built this hybrid engine that kicked off an unprecedented run of dominance. They've won every single driver's title since. Lewis Hamilton won all but one of those. He lost to a teammate in 2016. The teammate immediately retired like George Costanza and was just like, I'm good. I'm going out on top. I'm not going to lose to Lewis Hamilton next year. I'm good. And hey, what's that guy's the, name? I'm sorry to interrupt. What's that guy's name? Because is he on like, is he an analyst now for one of the networks? I believe uh, Nico Rosberg is his name. Yes, because Rosberg. Yeah. All right, good. Because I, I will use that later. Thank you. OK, so so Nico Rosberg uh, won in 2016, failed, uh, replaced by Botas. But what ended up happening is they they had such a huge lead. And there were a couple of years where Ferrari would win the title early, kind of like a little Texas is back September. You know, you know the type. And people would say, oh, it's a title hunt. And it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't ever. And Mercedes never got pushed. And now they're getting pushed, like legitimately pushed. Max Verstappen is number one in the driver standings. They are at this point. Look, Red Bull looks like they're going to run away with the constructor championship, which is the best car. Um, and so we're starting to see things that used to not matter with Mercedes or would only matter in short spurts like strategy, tires, uh, little mistakes that other other teams couldn't pounce on. Those things are mattering now. Um, it's like it's like seeing a boxer who's you know thirty five and oh, and all of a sudden he just gets stung a little bit. And you're like, oh, we haven't really seen this before, and that's what we're seeing now. Um, and so for for Red Bull to win at a place like Paul Ricard, uh, and by the way, everybody most F one fans hate Paul Ricard. They think it's just boring. It's a little bit like the Tory Pines thing last week where everybody was like, this this venue stinks, but then it produced a great result. And so all the people went after those people who said it stunk and said, how could it stink if it produces a good thing? Anyway, um, Verstappen, the Red Bull car should not be winning, uh, typically, traditionally, at a place that favors speed and, and that kind of thing. Um, they normally have an aerodynamic advantage. That's their big thing. Uh, so this is this is a big deal. And this season, I don't think there's any way this isn't an epic championship hunt. 
And let's talk strategy. Uh, there's a couple things at play here. As those uh, that learn from the Netflix series, there was a huge argument between Horner, Red Bull's principal, who was like, look, these Renault engines suck. And it was funny to watch Renault get super mad about it. And they ended up making the change. That seemed to work out. Uh, Ricardo leaving has not worked out for him at all because he went to Renault and now is with McLaren. Um, even though McLaren feels like they have a strong car, but now you have two podiums from Red Bull on this. So honestly, between the projection of what they thought with Verstappen and the decisions that they've made and that they could hang on this course, like it feels like Horner's pushed all the right buttons for a long time here. Well, also, here's the big thing. So Mercedes has an issue right now where Valtteri Bottas is not good and is not happy. And they and before Sergio- he was he was good and unhappy. Now he's just he was fine. Yeah, he was a good second guy. Sergio Perez, who's Red Bull's number two, is developing into like the glue guy of all glue guys. So when he pass, so the big thing is how easily you let your teammate pass you when when your teammate's going to win the race, right? And Sergio Perez not only put up no resistance to Max uh, a couple of of uh, a couple of days ago, but he actively roots for him. He's like, let's go get those guys. Bottas would never say that. He would never say that. And so uh, the Perez hire in that seat looks absolutely inspired. Uh, there's just a, there's just a lot there. I mean, Red Bull, for those of us, and I include myself in this, I did not watch it when Red Bull was dominant. Red Bull used to be the car. Uh, they Sebastian Vettel uh, was one of the best drivers in the world, had the best car. Uh, and when he won the championship one year, he literally got out and bowed to the car after he clinched because he was just trying to tell the world, like, it's the car. It's not me. So Red Bull used to be this dominant force. I mean, I I was thinking about it this morning, and this is like if Alabama were more dominant, and one day Urban Meyer's Gators came back. That's what you're looking at, right? And and, and all of a sudden it's 2021, and it's like, oh my God, Urban Meyer, he's got Florida back up and running. That's what the equivalent of Red Bull being all the way back this year is. Great analogy. No, that's a great analogy, and um, Horner's been right on it. I mean, Horner has this... This I don't know that he, like he comes off as as a stud in the show, but after a while I would kind of get like I think sometimes if you have an ego, like other egos can annoy you when it's completely wrong and unjustified. Yeah. It's just like I know too, the feeling. I know the yeah. feeling. <laughs> so he is he's because I remember him complaining about Renault and he would just he'd have this look on his face. It was a bit smug, but he was right because he knew he was right. And you know Cyril and the guys at Renault at the time were just like stop, stop seeing Renault, Renault, Renault. You know the the tradition of Renault, and you'd just be like, yeah, whatever, dude. I'm Horner, and I'm going to make a change. So the best part about this race because it actually played out. Like I think for those that watch Monaco for the first time, I'm just going to zag. Monaco overrated. You know I understand. That's pretty, I, it's that's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty mainstream opinion among the F1 dorks. They call it a parade. Yeah, it's just you start and you drive around. There's no passing. There's no racing. And then it ends. You have to screw up for it. It's it's like a parade. The only way you don't finish the parade where you start is something really bad happens. Yeah. So I guess it's not really as although it's probably the one I want to go to the most because it's Monaco. But are we going with our, our Ryan's international sponsor that we get after this segment? I, I can't wait to see who sales comes up with. What'd be an awesome sponsor? Give me like what's the coolest soccer sponsor right now between you and Saruti that you can think of? Oh, the coolest soccer sponsor. Well, I mean, I would say F1 has the better sponsors because it's all watch companies and like Moe and stuff. And, yeah. And that sort of thing. I mean, I would say most soccer teams are sponsored by kind of either betting companies like or kind of fly-by-night technology companies. That's Or fine. car companies. Yeah. And airlines, just... too. Airlines. Airlines. Yeah, airlines. Emirates Airlines. Especially Qatar. We could do Emirates Airlines, Ryan. 
Yeah, that could work. That could work. But the watch thing, though, let's not kid ourselves. That would be pretty sick, too. So we'll get Rolex on the line. All right. So uh, this race with the strategies, we knew it was yeah. all going to be about boxing. You know, we, we all knew. Everybody's talking about it. I was Everybody in Brooklyn today, and everybody's talking about the boxing. Yeah, yeah, they were just like undercut city. I man. can't believe the undercuts. Yep, guys, guys in Brooklyn were definitely looking at each other and be like, "Did you see the undercutting at Paul Ricard this weekend? Like, unbelievable!" So, take us through what happened here because it leads not only to the Red Bull win, but the battle with Hamilton, the Hamilton pass by Verstappen late. This had it. This had those things where you're like, "Oh, am I going to get into F1?" You know, there's going to be some weekends you're going to watch and be like, you know, it wasn't all that exciting because it was just impossible because of the car to pass or any stuff. This gave us this. Build up, and we also had like a fifteen lap build up because Verstappen made the second stop. They kept Hamilton out there on older tires. They were like, "Hold him off, hold him off." Which Hamilton fans know he's done so many different times. Botas is in front as well. He's screaming over the radio back at the pit crew, saying, "I fucking told you it was a two stop race." Give us your perspective of all of that. So, if you're getting into F1, you have to know so much of it is about strategy. And again, a lot of that's been lost over the past seven years when Mercedes could do whatever they want. And if they made little mistakes, they wouldn't get totally punished for it. But now it matters because Red Bull has a much better car than they used to. So, uh, essentially, you can do one stop or two stops in a race. And it's all about tire management, and you have to play it exactly right. And we saw earlier this year uh, when Verstappen tried to be one stop, Red Bull tried to be one stop, and Lewis was two stop, and he had the fresher tires, and everybody knew from the time the second stop happened with Lewis that he was going to eventually pass Verstappen. That it was just absolutely, it was almost anticlimactic because it was it was such a foregone conclusion once everybody saw, saw the lap times after the second stop. So the thing that happened on Sunday is that Mercedes was pushing Red Bull so hard that it made Red Bull, and this is from Christian Horner and uh, Toyota Wolf's comments after, after the race, that it made Red Bull think that there's no way Mercedes is not two-stopping. So they did a two-stop. And then Mercedes didn't two-stop. They one-stopped, and they ran out of tires at the end. And so Botas got very upset and said, I told you guys this was two-stopper. And now not only does, does Red Bull finish one and three, but there's a little bit of drama in the camp and it is, it is pure strategy. They've got strategy guys. They've got guys who are just in charge of this stuff. They got whole teams who are just in charge of when to pit, what the line is, all that stuff. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. And one of the things I want to go back to Ryan, when you talk about Horner, it's not just Horner. Red Bull spends on everybody. They've got kind of a super team. They actually just signed an engine guy from Mercedes and the guy has a non-compete and he can't even start till 2023. And so he's just hanging out for two years. And Red Bull's just like, here's a bunch of money. Just go hang out. And, and so Red Bull's got kind of a super step. Adrian New uh, Newey is their, is their car guy, their car designer. He's an absolute stud. Um, so Red Bull can get these little advantages uh, if the car is sort of in a tie or, or close together. Uh, Mercedes has a really, obviously a really good staff, but stuff like this is going to rear its head all year. This is going to come down to strategy and little mistakes and pitting and all that and bo boxing as they call it over there. Um, that, that is why this is so interesting is because it's going to be uh, a, for the first time in a long time, a, a game of, of, of inches basically. Are you willing to say on this podcast, the silver arrows are done? That's a big, that's a big call. That's a big call. So there's a couple of reasons that you might want to short Mercedes long-term. Wow. Okay. There are people 
there are people that I, my favorite F1 podcast is called, but aside from this one is called Miss Apex. And those guys were talking a couple of episodes ago about whether or not there's even long-term interest in Mercedes, the actual car company wanting to have an F1 car. Uh, maybe they want to go more electric. They, uh, they sold wow. uh, Daimler, the German car operator sold a third of their stake last year. And who knows if, if that will increase. So there's ownership possibilities there. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about 2022. I'm talking about 2027 or 2028. Uh, what happens it was when Lewis retires, Lewis is being paid a lot of money to see leave. You know, dude, I, I was just reading a book about a soccer manager named Brian Clough. And it was a really good book. And he said the biggest, they said in the book, the biggest thing that ever happened to him was he got fired after like a month someplace in Leeds. And he got such a huge buyout that he had what he called FU money. And for the rest of his career, he could leave any situation he wasn't comfortable with. And that was the whole, the whole reason his career took off after that is he would just be like, oh, oh you want to hire this guy uh, as ticket rep? I hate this guy. I'm out of here. And he was able to dictate his terms for the rest of his career and had that leverage. And if you're Lewis Hamilton right now, you have made so much money at Mercedes that if if something starts to go south even a little bit, you can maybe you just either want to go hang out in America, which he, he loves to do, as does Daniel Ricardo. But I just think that there's I, I don't I don't know. Uh, it is really hard to predict with the changes in in F1 um, with with um, the regulations change every couple of years. And so we sort of don't know how that all develops. But I would say that uh, any. It is really hard. I and mean, look at Ferrari. No one would have thought Ferrari would have the sixth best car on the grid two years ago. Uh, it is really hard to project F1 from a you know five, six-year standpoint. And by the way, the Mercedes team, as we know it, is, is less than a decade old. It's not like they've got... You know, Mercedes as a car has a, a long history, but it's not like they've, they've been in F1 as some you know, Notre Dame-type team. Wow. You know, tough weekend for Ferrari. Can't get the tire technology right and i feel like pirelli's back uh after some of the tire <laughs> pressure stuff so you know i was just i was I, I think we're good i think we have it covered um but rossberg nico rossberg i was watching some of his breakdown and he basically like called hamilton out for letting verstappen pass him and other people were like rossberg take it easy you know because that was what was so much fun about this race is verstappen gets new tires he gains two seconds a lap like one or two of the laps, you're like, oh, he's going to catch Hamilton. And then the pace falls off a bit. And you're like, wait, is there still a chance? And they're like, how does Botas play into all this? Then Botas gets passed. He's screaming at everybody. And then once he passed Hamilton, it was actually kind of anticlimactic just because it felt like at that point, Verstappen had so much more on the car. All right. So that's our first F1 uh, going abroad. But while we're here, let's get Saruti to jump in as well. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys done any soccer together yet or what? No, we've texted about it because we both, uh, you know, we're both big fans of of the sport. We we enjoy the passion of it. We like different English teams. He has an Italian team. I don't have an Italian team. Yeah, get on board. I mean, my squad is Roma, so uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone being a Roma fan. I also root for Everton, which again, I wouldn't recommend anyone being an Everton fan. But you root for Spurs, which is a tough. It's I don't what Hot Spurs equivalent to American sports. I don't even know. It would just be a team that I don't know perpetually coming up short. But thinks the they're a big team. Washington Generals. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's I, it, right now we're doing a coaching search, Rusillo, where we can't. We're on our ninth choice at Tottenham. It's and there's no real analysis. I mean, it's it's a little bit Tennessee-ish, to be honest with you. It's a little bit Tennessee-ish. 
We just we leak that we're interested in this guy. Gets to the one yard line and then it falls apart. The fan base is in shambles the whole time. Um, it's it's not good. And Tennessee ish is not what you want to hear when you're talking about a sports team. Right. Okay. But the the Euro stuff, Wales. Yeah. Do people know? Did you know this? More people live in Rhode Island than live in Wales. I, I did not know that. Do you know is that this- Providence? Um, not just Providence, but the population of Rhode Island in general has doubled since 1920. Is is that how has Wales been doing in that time frame? Is it going population trending down? No, pretty flat, pretty steady. Oh wait, Wales has double the population of Rhode Island. Cool segment, Ryan. All right, but still impressive. Does that not surprise you? I feel like for uh, the longest time in my life, I didn't even know, I didn't understand like the size difference between most of the European countries and how it compared to the United States. Hey, look, I, 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 I've argued for years, if you went up to most people and said, what is Wales, the UK, and Great Britain like, just explain it to me. You'd just be like, just shoot me right in the forehead. And I'm not saying anyone's wrong. Like, I also don't like, like, oh, stupid Americans, you don't even know what Wales is. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to get through the day and tomorrow's probably going to be okay, too. <laughs> so I don't know that we need to do that. But Wales is is 3 million people. I just think it's pretty crazy that you have a team that it obviously is from this country. It's been around a long time. Very rugged coastline. Clark knows this. Uh, that I just have, you know, I was watching Gareth Bale again. And I think because yeah. he had the same love look Bale. for too long. And how much does Saruti still love him? Because if I think of Saruti, what is up with you guys and Gareth Bale? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Number one is that he exhales. is unbelievable. He's just an unbelievable player. I mean, that that's yep. the baseline for it. And he has the capability to take over games. He played at Tottenham and it would just be like, you know, a bunch of dudes running around for 70 minutes and then the 71st minute bail would be like, oh, I guess I have to do this myself and just score. Um, it reminded me, and Jack Relish is a, a low-grade version of this now, but it reminded me of like, you ever watch like a high school game and there's just one guy who's just so much better than everybody else and he only really needs to assert himself you know, for five minutes out of the game. Like that was Bale with Spurs in a, on those 20, you know, 11 teams, 2012 teams, even though that was a good squad. There were some games where it, was, it just had to be him. Um, and then he has, he went to Madrid and they all hate him because he doesn't fit the culture. He's not a culture fit down there. Hasn't earned so his now pinstripes. He just, he just sort of, <laughs> that. it's very similar to that. So he just sort of hangs out, makes fun of Madrid, um, he was alone at Tottenham this year, but he famously so the one of the big inflection points of his career is that someone held a flag out at a Wales game that said Bale, Wales, Golf, Madrid, like ranking those three things in that in order. Life, yep. In that order. And he grabbed the flag and like showed it off like it was the funniest thing you'd ever seen. So he's just leaning into this bit. Imagine if someone went and did the whole everyone was like, you didn't earn your pinstripes thing, and then he just spent the next few years, relentlessly making fun of that of that bit, basically. True Yankee, yeah. So, Rudy, you had something there? Yeah, I mean, I think Bale is, one, he's got this incredible look to him, right? He, yeah, he used that's to have what you like. Slick hair, right? He's got the bun now, kind of like a weird hipster beard. Um, but I would still, I mean, he, he gets hurt a lot. That's the problem, too. He's like, he's he's kind of like a, probably an F1 car, where he's very fragile, right? He's, he can't take a lot of bumps and, and, and bruises along the way. But, I will say there's the one the one play. If you don't know anything about Gareth Bale, look up. I think it's the 2014. I want to say it's the uh, what is it? Copa del Rey. I think yeah. it's Barcelona, Real Madrid. He absolutely torches this guy on the left touch line. Um, and I think it was Mark Barcher at the time. And it is it is like it picture the picture the most like 
insane just go route where the receiver just torches the DB. That's Gareth Bale down the left sideline. He scores a goal. I mean, it's one of the best goals, I think, of the last decade just because of how unbelievably powerful and fast he is. Um, but yeah, and he also scored. I mean, he scored the game, a bicycle kick in the Champions League final. He's won a couple Champions League finals with, with Real Madrid. But Kevin's right. Like the fan base has never really accepted him. But I still think he's a top 10 guy. If you're just watching one player, one soccer player in the world, mm-hmm. I would put Gareth Bale in my top five easily. I don't know if he's a top 10 guy. I don't know if he's a top 10 guy. I think there's not still player. questions about that. Like, like not player. I, I'm just saying one game to watch to watch 10 guys, like healthy guys. Yeah, one game if he's healthy. 10. One game if he's healthy. Yeah, maybe he's in the top 10. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't shell out a ton of money for him right now. I'm watching this right now. I mean, he's just working everyone. It's out unreal. of bounds. Comes back in. Left side. A wonder strike. All right, let's uh, finish this with NBA lottery stuff. Sorry, international time limit. We've gone over. <laughs> Wait, I got to yeah. ask Kevin something quick. Is Italy yeah. back? Speaking of his Texas uh, back, is Italy back? Is Italy back? Uh, people I are don't saying. People think are talking. So. I don't think so. I think that we have, I think that people always have kind of memory hole the beginning of all international tournaments. And we forget that the team that wins oftentimes has slow starts and the team that start, starts hot oftentimes go out, goes out in the first round. So I don't think Italy, I, I feel the same way about their, their squad that I did a week ago. I'm holding off judgment. Although okay. uh, Roberto Mancini uh, looks great on the sidelines. Yeah. That's Armani, a top I think two, custom suit. That's it. Yeah. He, Ryan, he, uh, he's the Italian manager and he walked into the press conference and he just did the blazer draped over the, shoulder thing like you just see in in like Armani ads and he did it for no other reason other than to look cool while he was giving his post post match press conference so there's a lot of people talking about that that's what's back love that story I'll be honest I lost interest about two three minutes ago but I love that you guys are still (laughs) passionate about it (laughs) do you have wait Ryan do you have a squad do you have a squad though soccer is it is it Wales I don't know Wales kind of came out of nowhere there no they just were on if it's on and I'm I'm working obviously writing it's a good. It's a good sport to have on as a writer. Yeah, um, I like it. I, but I just I'm no. I don't really have. I don't have the time. Like if I had spare time, I'd probably start watching hockey again. I don't. I don't have the spare time for it. I you know Fair. you watch as much basketball and now with the draft. Speaking of, before I let you guys go, our magic corner guys uh, with the Rockets, Pistons, Magic, all fourteen percent chance of winning the lottery. Where are you guys at right now emotionally, Sarudi? I'll start with you. Uh, I'm prepared to be disappointed. Kevin, I've talked about this. Like I just, we've had uh terrible luck in recent history, obviously had good luck, you know, decades ago. Um, last being really Dwight Howard. Uh, I, I, I'm happy with really any of probably three guys. I want either Cade. Uh, I like Jalen green and I like Jalen subs. If, if, if the magic could land one of those three guys, I'll be happy. I've heard a lot about Mobley. I think magic fans in general are a little bit tired of the big who might not be offensively ready to play in the league yet. So if we get one of those three guys, I'll be happy. And if we keep the Bulls pick, which I think, what is it, top eight protected, Kevin? Top nine? I'm, top four. I, that's, that's a win to me. Or top Bulls four are top four. Yeah, but they're projected to be, the I think, the eighth or ninth pick. They're so. projected yeah, yeah. to be eighth, but top four. Eighth, yeah. yeah. So if uh, that's the scenario, I'm happy. I'm with you, Steve. If we just get the picks we're assigned, and I know that can't happen just you know because of the, um, the way that the lottery is goes. But if we get three and eight, I'd be happy with that. And I, I'm with you. I love Cade Cunningham is obviously the dream. I love Suggs. I love Green. If we get another guy like maybe a Scotty Barnes type, I would be totally fine with that. Um, I, I just 
I've gone through so many of these. I used to get so excited and invite people over and we'd have a great time. And then we would get the fifth pick, you know, in a four guy, four guy draft. And I, I just stopped inviting people over. There's no one coming over tonight. I refuse. No I would, I would say after a while, the lottery parties, you kind of be like, all right, we're doing <laughs> this again. Here. We're doing this again. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. No, the magic have had, they've just had incredibly bad luck in recent drafts. I mean, you know, they missed out on like the Embiid, Wiggins, Jabari Parker draft, which I mean, two of those three guys didn't work out. Um, they just yeah, missed right. out on, they've been like a pick or two away from really being, you know, they were a pick away from Christoph Porzingis. They were a pick away from Trey Young. Uh, they've just, they've just been unlucky in recent history. So it's hopefully like karma can kind of like turn, you know, go the other way on, on this one. But Kevin and I were talking about this. I'm telling you, we get Cade, we get one of these guards, maybe not Jalen Green because he, he seems to take a, you know, have a little bit more development in him. But Magic, sneaky playoff team next year. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I agree. Back right. into the East, 10 spots, you know. But I'll, I'll tell you what looks better and better is the Vooch trade for you guys. Yep. Because, you know, you, you thought when Chicago put it together, like, oh, they'll make a run to be able to get to the playoffs here. Top four protected. It's not a big deal. I don't. I'll end on this. Who do you think, if they were to win the lottery, people would be the most bummed out with? Well, obviously, Chicago from you two guys, but. Cleveland, right? Cleveland. Um, I don't know. Any of the, I mean, Toronto. People would be upset if Toronto won. That'd be kind of like a David Robinson, you know, the Tim Duncan year kind of thing. Golden State. Golden State. Golden State would be a bummer. 0.5%. Uh, Detroit. If you're Cade K- Cunningham, who do you least want to get the first pick? Uh, it's probably Cleveland or Detroit. Yeah, maybe even Toronto, too. Hmm. Would you want to play for OKC, Ryan? With their well, project I, going on? I like... I like the guy that's in charge, you know. Me too. Um, he's got a he's got a plan here. And I was talking about this plan with Bill a little bit. It's not like he's just gonna take five picks and say, Oh, he, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and grab a B level marginal, you know, like not a top twenty guy, but I'll I'll just overpay with picks. I don't think that's what he's gonna do. I think he will use picks to move around in the draft and all that kind of stuff. So if you end up being Cade Cunningham, I don't know that you have to go like, oh, does this mean that we're just going to be drafting people for seven years? It's no, I think he's going to use these picks in in ways to supplement you and the other star that he hopes to bring in. So um, not trade you and then five picks for some stud that's going to want to leave Oklahoma City as a free agent a year and a half. I think I have a better answer to the who would be the worst lottery winner. Uh, it's got to be Minnesota, right? They oh, won yeah. the lottery. Yeah, it's 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 100% them because they've already got a ton of talent. They had, what, three first round picks on the roster already? Uh, no, no way. Okay. All right. Good luck in the lottery. Thank you, as always. Our first installment. A little international, but Orlando's an international city, so it kind of, <laughs> the symmetry there was fine. Well, we have the Epcot, you know, different national, different countries at Epcot, so it's kind of like being, you know, get a flight to anywhere. That's what I thought of. I mean, if passport, who needs it? Epcot Center. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old workout fit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, do I look too good? <laughs> I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day. This is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. 
It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off. Incredible versatility. You can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises, running, training, swimming, yoga, and more. Viore yoga class. That just makes sense. The Sunday jogger is the number one go-to. And of course, the core short out now. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Ryan. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, we got some we got some we got some stuff here. Now, originally the plan was to have Bill Callahan writer of scrubs, but I was going through all the emails with Kyle, and although I appreciate so many of the writing queries, there were just so few that were screenwriting. So I guess that's on me. Um, I thought we'd have more screenwriting specific life advice questions because he doesn't write short stories, I don't believe, in his in his spare time. So we had a lot of people that write. Uh, in their spare time, do some different things. But it felt like less than 10% of any of the writing emails were about screenwriting. So that's what we're going to do when we have them on. We delayed it for today. So again, if you have screenwriting questions, whether you're doing it now, um, you know what, if you're making money, you probably aren't listening to this podcast for screenwriting advice. But I think you get the point. Um, He was somebody that played football and then actually played overseas American football, which is kind of crazy. And then he, uh, I believe, took an assistance job at an agency, read everybody's scripts, started writing, and was like, I can do this. And then he wrote a spec and got repped at a really young age and has had like a 25-year career. So anyway, um, screenwriting advice. Now, Thursday, Thursday, just confirmed this, we will get back to another fitness life advice uh, with a guy who I think is a complete stud, and that's Jeremy Scott. Uh, he's a really successful guy his workouts are incredible and you know he's got a big big following and he actually seems like in the world of of fitness uh branding uh, less of a d-bag than most of the guys all right so i I think i think we will we will uh we will go with that because his workouts are awesome there's so many cool things that he's done i've been a big fan of his for a while so that's what we'll do thursday just go jeremy scott fitness or jeremy scott Label the title of your email that way so that Kyle and I can sift through them a lot easier. All right, cool. All right, done and done. Kyle, any problems with any of that stuff? Just want to check with you. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. Okay, here we go. Um, all right, we'll do this one. All right. Um, hey guys, six one two fifteen, twenty five percent body fat raises for the last five years. That's eighty percent from my math. From 45K to 143K plus 300,000 300, in options. Be careful about the options. It can be a little tricky. Uh, but that's all since 2015. So our guy's doing pretty well. My drinking hole is a sports bar. I've been a regular there for about two years now. This one other regular has always rubbed me the wrong way. He's the only person in my life to ever call me quiet. Hmm. He's a Bengals fan. All right. So he doesn't even like that. To be honest, for a long time, I wanted to hang out with this guy's girl just because I disliked him so much. Uh, all right. Aggressive. Eventually, I realized this grudge was unnatural, so I started to warm up to him. Mistake! Exclamation point. When the pandemic hit and my regular place got shut down, I eventually started going to the local dive. I live solo. What do you want me to do? Literally see no one in real life for a year? You're making this much money and you're... How old is the guy? I don't know. 
You just, all right, whatever. I mean, everybody does whatever they want to do. Uh, this is a cash only bar. He says $2 PBR tall boys. All right. So I start to throw darts with some of the people at this new place building rapport. Recently, I go to the new bar with this Bengals fan and no one will talk to us. While out for a smoke with one of the other dive bar regulars, I ask him, what's up? He's like, I won't hang out with that dude. I'm like, why not? He just says, Google him. So apparently the guy that no one liked and no one wanted to hang out with that our emailer sort of befriended but originally didn't really like was on to catch a predator. So uh, his question is, what's the move here? Are you seriously asking us what the move is? The move is to not hang. I mean, you can't. This made me think it wasn't even real because who would go? Did you think I was going to say, hey, have an open mind? You know, introduce him to some friends, have him explain his side. Because I looked through all the research on this. There's, there's, no, there's no option here other than to not hang out with him. And then selfishly, I mean, other than the obvious reasons, if you wanted to add another layer to why you wouldn't want to hang out with him, because now you're the friend of the guy that was on Catch Predator. Kyle, I don't know if there's much to add to this one. You know, I'm going to go ahead and abstain. I think you're nailed it. Right. All right, we got another one. We're going to rip off a few here. I'm writing uh, right now from my wifeless bed. She's just stormed out of the room. Let me take you back. I'm the stepfather of two great kids whom were taken to Cabo in a couple weeks for summer vacation. However, the kid's biological father uh, made last-minute plans to take them with his wife, their stepmom, on a road trip to Key West the week and a half before Cabo with the idea of getting them back to us the day of our flight with no break in between. We were, understandably, in my view, perturbed by this as our kids have proven themselves to be complete shitheads. I love them, but it's true. Uh, at the end of and right after a long trip. All right. So I guess he's not saying they're forever shitheads. Uh, they are specific to this timeline at the end and right after a long trip. All right. Fine. My wife tried to address these concerns with her ex over the phone, but it devolved into a shouting match in the backyard while I tried to convince my stepdaughter that mommy just stubbed her toe and was upset about it. The argument continued between the two of them over text message on the parenting group chat of the four of us. Those must be fun text threads. <laughs> uh, I didn't engage in it and begged my wife to step away multiple times to avoid making things worse. Nevertheless, it continued with the profanity-laced insults towards the ex, accusations of drinking from the ex she hadn't been. Um... I guess so that would mean the ex-husband was now accusing your wife who just left the bedroom of drinking. He says she hadn't been and ultimately threats of restricting access to the kids. My wife has full custody due to the ex's alcoholic addiction so that she has that capability. All right. So uh, sounds like uh, we we got a couple that gets after it here. All right. Um, not you. It wasn't until the ex's new wife, then the stepmom. I think everybody's following along here. Kyle, you with me? If you're with me, I know we're good. Yeah, I, I got you. I didn't like that, but I got you. Well, that's fair. That's fair. You, It's fair to not like that. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Um, <laughs> she messaged the chat telling my wife to never talk to my husband that way. That I interjected um, saying that everyone needed to calm down and walk away before irreparable damage was done. And that would only hurt the kids. We've uh, all put four years of work into figuring out a way to co-parent. And I didn't want to see all of that get destroyed over a 20 minute argument. The stepmom thanked me for being a voice of reason. Probably shouldn't, uh, probably should have seen that as a bad sign. The ex stated that he would stop and we could address this later with cooler heads. All good, right? 
wrong. I saw where this is going. My wife is pissed as to reading my message because it didn't seem like I had her back. Granted, I didn't step into the chat with guns blazing, yelling that they needed to step off my woman, but it's not like I was dealing with a random drunk guy of or something. The ex and stepmom are a heavy presence in the kids' lives, and they aren't going anywhere. We have to find a way to get along. With that being said, is there a way I could have better handled this that got the message across while also making my wife feel like I stood up for her? Did I deal with this tricky situation in the right manner? Thanks. Love the show. Um, he said he'd give his measurements, but he said no one cares. You don't know that. Okay, uh, you know, me as a non-married, non-parent, and I, I can imagine some people don't necessarily want to hear what I have to say, and I, I can't fully understand this, but I can say this. You are in a no-win situation with this one, all right? There is no win, because if you're going to be meatier, then you don't have your wife's back, and then if you have your wife's back, then you're just throwing more gas on the fire with this. Uh, I personally think what you did was the right thing. The only thing that you could have adjusted is that maybe you could have told your wife going, hey, I want to put an end to this as kind of the most neutral of all the parties here. And I'm going to say, hey, let's step away from this instead of me going back at her. So you could have told your wife ahead of time, hey, I want to go back at her, you know, get her on your side. She's wrong. They're wrong. You know, I have your back, but let me shut this down with a very passive kind of like, let's come to peace. Just to saying something like, hey, you know, ceasefire, and then we'll figure this out in the morning. That's the only thing you could do. But in the moment, um, it's much harder to go through that. And it's very easy for anyone after the fact, after, you know, reading through it, having a little bit of time to think about it to say, hey, you should have gone that route. But here's the biggest thing that you have to deal with here. And you already know this. All of this stuff isn't about the kids. It isn't about the vacation. It isn't about who's doing what. It's that you're dealing with two people that still are emotional enough in the relationship that they don't like each other. Like there's loving and then there's hating. And then there's like, oh, my God, I actually just don't even care anymore. And because of the kid part of it, there are going to be moments where, unfortunately, for your wife, she and her ex are going to be fighting probably until these kids are like late teens. I know that sucks to hear. And maybe it'll get a little bit better, you know, maybe mid-teens or something like that. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's always the case. But the fact that this is the way it is right now. Maybe it gets a little bit better, but this really isn't about you. It has nothing to do with you. Your wife isn't mad at you because of you. Your wife isn't really mad at you because of what you said or didn't say and all these different things. She's so mad that she knows she has to sort of evolve somebody who she already was willing to divorce. She still has to deal with this. So her anger isn't really directed at you, and you just kind of have to be the punching bag here. Um, you know what I'm saying? So... I know it sucks, especially when you look like you are the most right, uh, clearly, out of all the four people. And for the ex-husband's new wife to say, like, you can't talk to my man that way. Like, you know what? Like, there's times where I think even as the new spouse, yes, you can defend. But, like, was that cool of the new wife to say that to your wife? No, of course not. So is that what your wife wanted? I guess. But does she really want that? No, because she's just mad about the whole situation. So I think a lot of that anger and the emotion comes from the predicament that it has anything to do with what you could or could not have done. Because honestly, as I was reading that email, I was like, I already know what's going to happen here. You have no chance. Kyle. As a child of divorce, I fucking like this guy. And uh, I think he's doing the best that he can. And um, there's a lot of shitty new stepdads and stepmoms in the picture and he's not one of those guys and i think uh, everybody will see that if you just continue doing what you're doing good job buddy all right it'll all be okay yeah i think people cringe when we do any parental 
married stuff, but there yeah, you go. We were I, kids once, right? We got the experience in that department, right? Yeah, that's what I always kind of go to. Oldest of five, child of divorce, been around. Um, I remember reading, I think I mentioned this once, like reading divorce papers, which is probably a little weird that I was reading those at 11. But, um, you know, that's why after you, you kind of like opened up to that experience, like it actually kind of planted the seeds of like listening to people's arguments going, yeah, I think you're full of shit. Like you're just trying to win the argument, you know, like you're not, you're not trying to win the truth. You're just trying to win, win the argument. So you then portray the opposing side as like the worst possible thing ever. So that somehow it's almost like when you overcharge somebody, um, with, with criminal charges, right? Like that's a big, big practice. Uh, we're like, Hey, let's, let's hammer this guy with like 11 charges, See you know, six, six or yeah, six or seven of them are total bullshit. It sounds terrible. Oh, I, you know, this guy's got 11 charges and then, you know, you settle. That's why whenever there's news of somebody in the public that gets arrested for like something, I don't know, let's say mildly serious to very serious. And then it'll be like with a conviction, this is 10 years in jail. And you're like, all right, whatever. Like get to me when, when the real announcement happens, when the guy doesn't go to jail, because if it's anybody that's in the public eye enough, it's just, it's I'm not saying it's fair, but it's just kind of the way it works. So whenever I hear like newsy people, news, news stuff, and it'll happen in sports too. Like you'll hear the offense, you'll hear the name of the person. It's doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. And then like every report will end with what the potential jail time will be. And you're like, yeah, except none of the guys ever really go to jail, like almost ever. All right. Okay. We got a guy named uh, Nick checking in here from Australia. Six foot 171. He gets right to it. I like the way this guy writes. The problem is that during studying at university here in Australia, I've been working at a place part-time for the last two and a half years. And due to my age and the nature of the job, I've worked with a lot of people who are older than me, as I am only 21. During working there, I've been the only single guy pretty much the entire time, as many people here are married. I had this one fling with this girl that worked here, but it didn't work out. All right. The problem at the moment is, however, this girl started about three months ago and is the first girl in a while that is my age. All right. So he says he had a fling with this girl that worked here, but it didn't work out. He mentions the problem here as the girl started three months ago as the first girl. All right. There's also something that'll happen. I mean, you know, I've had buddies in weird situations work-wise where uh, they're like, hey, you hanging out with that person? And it's just like, I don't know. There's something in the science, the pheromones where you're just working with somebody all the time, you know, somebody's on the landscaping crew with you and you're like, do you hear what Doug's hanging out with that, that girl from, I guess she's from like St. Augustine, Florida or something. She, she's on the landscaping crew. You're like, yeah, I don't know. They spent all summer together. Kyle, you seem to be, do you have any experience in this? Maybe Parks and Rec all of a sudden you're restaurants, dating somebody. Dude. What's yeah. that? Restaurants, dude. The walk-in freezer gets dicey. <laughs> ah, my man uncomfortable walk-in freezer you know what's up um okay all right so anyway so uh this girl's the same age fling didn't work out she moved from europe and only last year got married at 20 years old all right so this is i'm so confused here um so she's married at 20 but she did in order to stay to keep her visa during the isolation period at first when she started i thought she was incredibly nice and she would text me every day about different things that i just took as nothing but trying to gain a new good relationship with work friends or to meet new people in melbourne and given that she is quite attractive and funny i just rolled with it the husband would come up now and again but only for about a minute or two the flirting and sexual tension however went into overdrive about a month ago when according to her the husband cheated on her all right 
So she's 20. She's from Europe. She wanted to stay in Australia. She marries another guy. She, you had a fling with her, unless this is the fling is somebody completely different. Um, I think, okay, wait a minute. Are you guys with me here? I think he's saying the fling was somebody completely different. And then he says the problem at the moment is. Yeah, just a bad setup on his part, maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's 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 got a different writing style. I'll give him that. All right. So I feel like this is uh, not the best read I've ever done for life advice. So let's let's go forward with it as if this the second girl is the new girl. So she's quite attractive, funny. Just roll with it. The husband would come up now and again, but only for about a minute or two. The flirting and sexual tension between our emailer and the girl, however, went into overdrive about a month ago when, according to her, the husband cheated on her. All right, fine. Since then, at work, she sent me photos of herself in bed, texts me just about every day, grabs me on the ass at work. Uh, Safe space? Comments about how cute I am. And only the other day, I caught her smelling my jumper from my locker. I imagine jumper is... Uh, so, Rudy, you can help us out with some of the international stuff here. Jumper is just a coat, right? Like a little jacket you pull over. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dudes don't. All right. So, I caught her smelling my <laughs> jumper from my locker. And when I asked her about it, she said she was doing it just to remember what I smelled like. Sorry for the long-winded explanation. But the real reason I'm asking you is because I have an event coming up this weekend in which I reluctantly invited her and the husband to be a good guy, he goes parentheses. Um, so she invites her and her husband, uh, yet she's decided to come by herself and has joked about getting drunk and hanging out together. I know she is married. I may look like a dick, but I've never met the guy, and she clearly doesn't love him as a normal wife does. So I've entertained the idea of us doing something. I know I probably sound like the dentist with Jennifer Aniston off of horrible bosses, but what should I do? Should I run for the fucking hills? Two, wait if she makes a move and then go from there. Three, make a move myself and risk being completely rejected and being a loser. Four, try to shut her down in a polite way as we work together just about every day. All right. Um, as always, as you map this out, you kind of already know what you're doing. So you're not going to really listen to me all that much. Um, the whole wait if she makes a move and then go from there, it sounds like she's already making her moves. Is she sending you pictures of herself in bed and then smells your jacket and you caught her and she was like, hey, I just want to make it's it's on, right? Um, there's, I don't, I don't think there's anything, but the weird part about this, other than her being married and her being mad at a husband for cheating on her, when you've said they don't like, do you have a great understanding or a vague removed understanding of what the relationship really is? And then you invited the husband, which is kind of funny, but you don't, I think I already, look, you're obviously going to hook up with her. You are. Um, I don't think you'd get rejected. But I also think that you're signing up for something here that could be really, really stressful. So um, you could ask her in greater detail, like, what's exactly up with the husband part of this? I don't really think you care about the work thing. I mean, everybody says, you know, don't fish off the company porch. And then they're presented with an option that they're like, whoa. And then they just do it. So I think a lot of people from the work standpoint are hypocrites. Not everyone, but a lot of people are. Um, and you're right. Like if it goes badly and then there's a husband and you work together, this you could be signing up for a really, really bad deal. But I'm pretty sure you're going to do it already. Yeah, the fact is, if you hang out with her outside of work, it's going to happen like the first or second time, I think especially if you guys are like at an event with drinks. So 
Yeah, you just invited have- her. You just invited her to something. So if you were like remotely hesitant about the whole thing, then you don't invite her. You know, but sometimes getting that attention and playing along and thinking like, oh, there's no harm in this and all those things. Like, I think people need that stuff and they like that stuff. Let's not kid ourselves. Like, especially when it's in the beginning and it's that text and it's that that energy that you get from it. And you're like, oh, this is kind of exciting. And that newness. I mean, there's no other phase like that. And it's great when it works out and you find your life partner, but that you never experience that again. And that's why I think people cheat because then they experience it again and it's all new, even though they feel bad about it, but it feels sort of innocent. And then you know, that, that moment, that's such an awesome, awesome moment in the, not just the pursuit, but the, wow, this is going to work out. And now this person wants to spend this time with me and I can't wait to see him. And I can't, every text and all that kind of stuff. I've never had it happen to me. So I don't know what it's like, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you weren't kidding. (laughs) Like the Dennis Reynolds, like you guys have feelings. I haven't felt things in years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway uh so i don't know so rudy you can you can jump in here a little yeah. bit too right because i mean there was a while there you were you were dating a lot of the on-air girls at espn before you got married oh yeah here we go yep no big deal <laughs> just bringing up that no I, well so i met my wife uh she worked at espn we didn't actually know oh, she did met. just yeah she she worked <laughs> at espn uh not when she got when we got married but initially i would have never met her through work though we met at like you know in west hartford hanging out through like mutual friends but um I, my question with this guy is what is like what's the goal here you know are you just looking to hook up with somebody are you looking for a relationship are you looking for something even more long term than that because i would say if you're just looking to h- hook up and you don't really care about you know her situation or the fact that she's married then all right yeah i guess that that's gonna make you happy go for it but if this is like something that you're you know you, you like this girl you want to see something long term there are just a lot of red flags going on here i mean you know, if one of these things, if it wasn't a work thing or she wasn't married or she wasn't sniffing your whatever it was, I I, I think there's just too many things here for this to be a long term, successful, healthy relationship. So I just I would ask him, what do you want out of this? And that'll give you your answer. Yeah, it's pretty good there. Uh, I think he wants to hook up with her because he's asking her out. He's mentioned numerous times. I mean, this is but the thing that's weird is that why can she get mad at him for cheating? If the marriage, if the marriage is completely business, which it definitely isn't, that's the problem. Like if she's, she's probably hooking up with her husband and she's mad that he cheated on her mother. So what is, if he wants to have any kind of solace in any part of this, you may want to fully understand. And I don't even know if she's going to tell you the truth, but go, what? actually is the deal with the husband part of this because if she's mad and admitting to you like oh he cheated on me then it sounds like they have a little bit more of a relationship than just strictly business even if she doesn't really care about him um as much so that's i don't know good luck with all that one more one more i don't know so really look like you had one more thing to say no i was just get- you got to be careful too. Like, is he cool with being the revenge hookup? You know, because that's what this seems like too. Like, is she trying to get back at the husband by trying to hook up with somebody else and making her feel better about herself? If you're cool, again, if you're cool with that, then go for it. But you just got to understand what the situation is. Kyle, have you been cool with being the revenge hookup? Yeah. And I think he's probably okay with it too. Yeah. I love, I love your honesty. Okay. Final one. This one hit close to home. It'll be quick. You guys aren't going to believe me on this one. This one's pretty crazy because you have to be from the area to understand it. Um, I'm going to leave his name out of it, (laughs) even though the email has his name in there, 
Hey, Ryan, 5'9", 175, big fan of the pod. I just finished my freshman year at UVM, Vermont, where, for those that don't know, where I went to school, I was just there for a couple of weeks. Um, I'm looking for some advice on how to address an intimidated, convicted Coke dealer. (laughs) (laughs) On a couple of occasions while walking to class, I've encountered a local rapper crossing the street. On one of these occasions, he was rapping to himself before he turned directly towards a diminutive female student heading the opposite direction and very loudly stated, walk away, bitch. That's not nice. It did uh, did not appear that he knew this student, but she seemed moderately terrified by the interaction. I was so caught off guard that I stared in disbelief and said nothing. With at least three more years ahead of me in Burlington, I want to be ready if an interaction such as this occurs again. How should I confront him if this happens again? Or do you think I'm crazy for even considering confronting him? So then he sent me the links to the guy. I know this guy and played pickup hoops with him forever. Um, yes, he's you know been rapper? in and out. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So is he older? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm old. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Look, I think there are some. <laughs> Uh, I'm not making light of anything he did because I, I actually even saw him walking around when I was back there. And he is a out loud talk to himself, yell at people in the streets. He's been walking around there for a long time. Um, so I think there's there's some mental health stuff going on there, um, which I, I you know I don't want to assume. But I, I knew him back then. And I've seen some of the stuff because people send me links because we used to play at Pomeroy, King Street. Uh, a couple other places we used to play all the time and we would go at it, but we never hung out. We weren't like friends, but if he saw me, there was a lot of like pound it out, hug it out. What's up every time I came back. Cause without fail, as the bars were emptying, emptying, you would see him, you would see him run around. So I could say, tell him, you know, Rosillo say, what's up? The best advice would be to not deal with it. You know, Five nine one seventy five. We respect all sizes on this podcast, but um, he's not a small guy, and you know I think there's a there's some unhinged moments. So everybody would love to be a hero and all that kind of stuff. The fact that he's up on campus now, just yelling at people because that's you know a bit of it's a, it's a walk from town. It's not like it's that far, but uh, I just I would. Um, I would leave this one alone, but if it gets if it gets weird, maybe I'll email you a picture of me just doing a little thumbs up, and then you can show it to him, and then maybe he'll be like, "Oh, you know Rosillo? All right, we're cool now." But it's not exactly a guy that you're going to be friends with. You're a freshman at UVM. You're you're likely not going to be hanging out together. Um, I know he's had a bunch of legal issues and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just telling you, uh, this would this I would I would proceed with caution here, even though it sucks that he would say that to anyone on campus, specifically a female student. But I don't I don't know what else to tell you beyond that. Yeah. All right. So I think we're done. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> I, I have more questions. Well, uh, go ahead. When, when you say local rapper, like, does he have like mixtape out? Like, is there is he actually a rapper or is he just like think he's a rapper? I would say independent rapper is probably the best way to put it. OK. And he just raps in Burlington, hangs out, and like talks shit to people on the sidewalk. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, you don't mess with that guy. I'm sorry. You just don't. Yeah. I mean, he only he only liked me because, I mean, we're going back over 20 years ago when we were playing hoops together. I volunteered at a youth center when I was 22. 
And then I just started playing in the pickup games at the youth center because he's a couple years younger than me. So he was eligible to be at the youth center. And then they asked me to leave the youth center. They were like, you're not really a great fit here. I was 22. Um, you know, I started playing pickup hoops and just like, you know, they were like, dude, you're calling fouls and arguing about fouls with guys. I, I'm admitting I was the wrong guy at that time of my <laughs> life. I was trying to do something nice, trying to give back. And the youth center people were like, we just admire the fact that you even gave it a shot, but I just don't know that right now <laughs> where you're at is like, you're the best fit for what we're doing here. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm out. That's funny because those places usually aren't overflowing with extra help. So uh, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that they uh, did they offer you something in like the cafeteria or something or cleaning the rollerblades or no, it was I I showed up. It was kind of like junior high to high school age kids, and I was 22. And our guy that we were talking about, I think he was he was young enough to get away with it. I think he was late teens, but he was probably older than he should have been to be there. So then they would they had pickup hoops games in the indoor gym and then he'd be like hey do you want to play and nobody was talking to me you know i would go hang out in like kind of the the reading room there was like video games and i'd be like hey what's going on like how are you doing and and people just the younger kids just shut down around me like they there wasn't there wasn't really much of a connection and i was trying i like helped a kid clean up a hallway together you know like i was i would i tried a few times and they were like hey do you want to play hoops and i was like yeah no problem. It's on. And like, I think I went out there and like dressed pants and took off my shirt and was running around and like oh arguing God. about fouls. <laughs> <laughs> and it got really intense. And some of the other guys were yelling at me. And because I think there was kid, it wasn't like I was 22 and I was playing 15 year olds. There were other guys that I played with that were like late teens that were just showing up to this youth center. And they were, they probably weren't supposed to be there, but I think because they were under 20, they were allowed. So there were like 18 and 19 year old other kids. So I had played but with you them were like other the parts. Head. Yeah. You were yeah, supposed I'd, to be the guy that was like <laughs> keeping it oh, all together. right. I was supposed to like not play, not argue. You're the ref. Keep his shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to <laughs> ref. And, and so it wasn't like an incident. It was just all the other stuff isn't really working out. And now this basketball element, like we also, we probably don't need this. And like some of these kids are probably too old to be here. And then, you know, some of them. And I was like, look, I don't know them, know them. I just, I, I play pickup hoops at different courts all summer long. That's just what I do during the day. And they were like, yeah, look, you know, thank you so much, but it's not going to work out. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. The old college try. Good for you. That was my first <laughs> My first volunteering experience. I think it was my first one. Yeah, pretty sure it was. Did not have that one. I think I even put it on a resume, dude. That's the best part. Is I think oh at 26, I put it on a resume years later because your resume when you're bartending isn't like super stacked with with great stuff there. Priscilla cares about the kids. Yep. Trick loves the kids. Thank you to Steve Cerruti and Kyle Crichton for their work on this podcast. And remember, Jeremy Scott Fitness, Life Advice Questions, Life Advice RR at Gmail for next week. Please subscribe, rate, review. Thanks as always. Well.